Good morning, baseball fans, and welcome to episode 94 of the Morning Round Trip podcast here on October 11th, 2020. My name is Drew Frank, and I'm joined by my co-host, Liam Crothers. Hello and good morning. And today we have baseball again. After yesterday off with nothing going on, no NBA either, we're back tonight with ALCS Game 1 as the Rays and Astros get underway. But before we get to that series, there are a few other notes to talk about and some Dodgers news as they have officially confirmed it'll be Bueller in game one and Kershaw in game two. I don't think that really surprises anyone that lines up Bueller to be fully rested for game six and Kershaw to be fully rested for game seven if a series goes that far. Three to seven, they still haven't announced, but Dave Roberts said that Julio Urias would be pitching, quote, meaningful innings. That doesn't mean he's starting. That almost kind of implies that they have a plan for him. I kind of interpret that as being the multi-inning reliever that we've seen so far. That's kind of the role he's done. And that would mean they probably want Gonsolin. They probably want May. Gonsolin hasn't pitched since September 26th. But he threw a sim game to stay ready. We know he's going to be available. If you're Dave Roberts, how do you approach this? Obviously, one, two are set. Three, four, what would you do? Well, Tony Gonsolin finds himself in the unfortunate spot in this rotation because the Dodgers haven't really needed him so far. I mean, Bueller and Kershaw obviously getting consistent work, but Gonsolin needing to stay fresh. He's definitely spoilt for choice. Dave Roberts has a lot of options in that game three, game four, and game five scenarios if things do reach that territory. Uh, Urias, meaningful innings, I think that means more so that he might be a bullpen piece. I'm not sure if that means that he'll open things. It's sort of up to interpretation there. Uh, But May and Gonsolin also provide meaningful options, and they'll give you some strong innings. Uh, and he's got Brewstar Gratterall, a guy who can spot start for you if you need him to. I mean, we've seen him coming out of the bullpen quite a bit in the playoffs so far, uh, and maybe he continues on that route. I'm not sure. He's got some interesting choices to make for sure as we head into the NLCS. Well, and that's kind of the downfall of winning all your games. They took the Brewers in two games, then they took the Padres in three games, so we haven't really seen the back end of that rotation, which, of course, is good. You want to win, but as you head down the line, at least for them, they can probably take some solace in the fact that the Braves also swept their series. We've seen some trouble with the top seeds getting upset in recent years where they have four or five days off, they cool off the bats, they throw off the pitcher's schedules, and the other team that maybe goes a little deeper in their series are still a bit fresher. So here in the American League, we see it's pretty even as neither team sweeps, and in the National League, it's also pretty even as both teams sweep. So we'll see what happens there. Atlanta, they have not announced anything with their pitching yet. Don't think it'll be really anything besides Freed for game one. I mean, Freed, Anderson, you probably know what to expect there, but nothing official yet, so I guess you never know. 
The other interesting thing that came out of Dodgers camp is Dave Roberts said that since they're staying at Globe Life Field for the NLCS, he says it's starting to feel like home, which is crazy because they are there for the second straight series. Potentially, if they win it, they'll be there for three series in a row. And something you, I, I at least hadn't really thought about, but that's a decently sizable advantage for the number one seed in the NL. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting because, I mean, we talk about all the time the road team, the team that comes in after having to travel is going to be at a bit of a disadvantage. And if the Tampa Bay Rays end up advancing in the American League Championship Series, they haven't played at this new Rangers ballpark before, but the L.A. Dodgers have played there for a couple of series before and they'll have their feet under them. But if it's the Tampa Bay Rays, they can't exactly say the same thing. The Astros, on the other hand, have played here before. They would know what to expect in terms of the way that the field plays. Um, but definitely the the travel is going to be something that they'll have to adjust to if it ends up being the Houston Astros or the Tampa Bay Rays. And one last note for that NLCS. We still don't know whether Edwin Rios will be on the Dodgers roster or not. His availability uncertain at this point in time. He missed the last series with injuries, so we'll have to see. We'll give our full NLCS preview in tomorrow's episode when their first game gets underway. Final piece of news, and this is something that's kind of been happening for the past few days and flying under the radar. We saw Davey Martinez get extended by the Washington Nationals, and we did cover that story on the show. He's extended for three more years. But all around him, they've been quietly getting rid of their coaching staff. Pitching coach Paul Menhart, bench coach Chip Hale, and hitting coach Kevin Long all not expected to return next year after all being a part of the 2019 World Series winning team. I think this is interesting because very short season, of course, in 60 games makes you wonder if... They were thinking about firing them before the World Series and they just are getting to it now. They didn't want to after the title or how much the upsetting 2020 really factored in here. To me, this seems like a move that the organization has been thinking about for a little bit longer uh, than maybe we anticipate. The extension of Davey Martinez means that not only does the clubhouse like him, but uh, obviously the management likes him as well and the ownership group likes him as well. Um, but the pitching coach and the hitting coach, to me, that's something that you've sort of expected to get done uh, if you are the management group in Washington, because the year that you had this year, it started out very similar to the year that you had last year. And obviously you didn't have the time to put together a massive run, an impressive push for the playoffs like they did in 2019. But to me, this is just something that you had the excuse for because the team missed out on the playoffs after winning a title last year. And this is the way the cookie crumbles for them. Unfortunately, Davey Martinez does stick around, though, for the Washington Nationals. So at least there will be that presence in the clubhouse to rally the boys in 2021. Yeah, I think this is interesting, too. I mean, I I didn't have the Washington Nationals finishing higher than fourth. I, I didn't think they were going to be as legit as people were expecting. Now, of course, I had the Marlins finishing fifth, so my NLEs didn't come close to what uh, what ended up actually happening. But this World Series team, very different than a lot of other World Series teams we've seen, where it almost felt like they were significantly less deep than their opponent. They're a much shallower team. They had to rely on those pitchers, but they did get it done. 
And in a league that's so results-oriented, I'm pretty surprised to see them moving on from these guys already. But we'll see. Maybe there'll be more cuts. Maybe we'll hear about the replacements, what they've got in the works. That'll all come later in the offseason. Of course, we're only in October, so lots of time left for that. Now, looking forward to tonight, the ALCS gets underway, and we've got the best records among AL playoff teams in the Rays, the number one seed, going up against the worst record among AL playoff teams in the Houston Astros. The Astros had to beat the Central winner to get out of the wildcard rounds. They had to beat the West's winner to get out of the division series. And now they have to beat the third and final AL East division winner to move on to the World Series. Quite a matchup. And these two teams, they have some playoff experience against each other. You look back as recently as last year, and they played in the ALDS. The series went to five games. Houston, the heavy favorite at the time, took a 2-0 lead. Then Tampa came back, tied the series, forced a game five, and unfortunately for Tyler Glasnow, he was tipping pitches. Houston noticed it, put up runs on him early, and that was basically it for the game. But even though there was video evidence for how he was tipping his pitches, when we found out that they had cameras at Minute Maid Field and this was a home game and they had their code breaker, Glasnow said this past winter, after all that news broke, he said, quote, They haven't proved anything from the 2019 season, but when you see all the stuff and know that they hadn't been caught until the end of 2017, it makes you think. He went on to say, I'd lie if I told you I didn't think about it after all the stuff that came out and like how they were on every pitch. But again, I don't know. It has to be, like, proven. I'm not ruling anything out, but I'm kind of just rolling with it at this point. We expect to see Glasnow be a big piece in this series. We expect these Rays to have all sorts of motivation. And I think this kind of backstory uh, sets an interesting tone for this series moving forward. Definitely. And I feel like if you're the Houston Astros, there's no shortage of animosity between really any team that you would be playing. Uh, Fortunately for the Astros, though, I feel like they've almost embraced that role as the villain and it makes for much more compelling storytelling. Uh, But if you're Tyler Glass, no, I don't think you can blame him, especially uh, as a pitcher, because the pitching position was really the most affected from that 2017 scandal that ended up coming out because we had seen so many guys come up to the big leagues. They would get shelled and, you know, who knows where their career goes from there. And even some MLB regulars that really struggled against the Houston Astros and that messes up your confidence. It's really tough to really be in a groove and then you go somewhere and you just end up not being able to put the ball past anybody. And it feels like everyone is on your pitches. Obviously, knowing now what was going on then, uh, it puts things into a bit more perspective, but it was an interesting series when these two teams faced off last in the playoffs. I anticipate this series to be interesting as well. You mentioned that Houston has been running through division winners to get here and they've been pulling off upsets left and right because I didn't have them beating Minnesota and we didn't have them beating Oakland either. And now they face the number one team in the American League. But the question becomes, can they do it one more time and advance to the World Series? And their route to this CS appearance is very different than the Tampa Bay Rays, not only in the opponents they face, but the play style. We've seen all sorts of offense from Houston. You look at the division series, they actually put up more runs than Tampa Bay did in fewer games. 
Houston scoring 33 runs in four games versus the Rays, who put up only 21 in five games. The Rays, it's been the big guys, for the most part, that have been quiet. We've seen Brandon Lau, their MVP all season, go just 2 for 26 to start his playoffs. Willie Adamez, 3 for 21. And some of the guys that have been getting DH time, Yandy Diaz, Hunter Renfro, Yoshi Susugo, who you mentioned, the three of them, they've combined to go 3 for 25. Very quiet there. And Houston, the story for them, on top of the bats, the bullpen. Huge surprise for me. I thought Minnesota had a better bullpen. I thought Oakland certainly had a better bullpen. And I definitely think Tampa Bay is a better bullpen. But on paper, that hasn't mattered because the results they've been putting up, 2.45 ERA through 25 and two-thirds innings pitched. Enoli Paredes, Christian Javier, two of the big guys for them. Tampa, you know they're going to rely on their bullpen. We saw them do it when their whole season was on the line in Game 5 against the Yankees. But they've surprised us all playoffs long. And I feel it's almost gotten to a point where we have to respect this bullpen. Yeah, and on paper, I agree with you completely. I mean, the Houston Astros, on paper, like I said, probably not up to par with any of the teams that they've faced so far, but that hasn't mattered for them. And you have to remember that that bullpen ERA is a little bit inflated after a massive comeback that we saw from the Oakland Athletics in one of those games in the American League Division Series, because apart from that, their bullpen has been pretty much lights out. As soon as the starter has exited, the run column for the opposing team has pretty much stayed right where it was uh, when the starter ends up getting pulled. And the offense has been firing on all cylinders, and they've been led by Carlos Correa and George Springer, and those guys have just been tearing the cover off the ball recently. I think this series goes the way that people expect it to, but I mean, with that said, none of the series that the Astros have played in have gone the way that people have expected. They've pulled off two upsets, and now Tampa Bay looks to not only avoid being the next upset, but try to advance to a World Series. And we don't know their full rotation, but we know Snell will be the one tasked to start that challenge for them. He goes tonight in Game 1 against Framber Valdez. For the Astros, we know it's going to be McCullers Game 2. Probably Granke and Urquidy games three and four, but that's not confirmed yet. You probably expect Morton to be game two or game three for Tampa, depending on how they plan to use Glasno or what that whole plan is. But what we do know is game one tonight, 7.37 p.m. Eastern, Valdez, Snell. And interestingly, Framber Valdez has never pitched a single inning in his career against Tampa Bay. Whereas Snell, he's struggled against Houston. He's got a 4.71 ERA against Houston, which is the most of any opponent he's thrown 30-plus innings against. He's seen them three times in the postseason, all three times in that 2019 ALDS. He started Game 1, and eventually Houston would take that. But he got the save in Game 4 and pitched a scoreless 3rd and 4th inning in Game 5, and certainly looked good in that series. I think in this one, both of these guys, I think, are are pretty even. A pair of lefties that both look good. I don't know if this one's necessarily going to be decided by the starting pitching tonight. I don't think so either. I mean, there's very little to separate these two guys on paper, and we had mentioned the bullpens already. I think it's a question of have the bats for either team had a chance to readjust in the off period that we've seen because Tampa Bay, we mentioned the struggles earlier, Yoshi Tsutsugo and guys that they've really relied on to contribute. Brennan Lau, a guy that struggled as well. I mean, 
you know, and then we mentioned that Houston has been really, really strong offensively so far. Um, I think maybe you look for one key offensive contributor for either team. I think that Randy Arozarena has just been almost unstoppable. So maybe expect him to have another awesome game for the Tampa Bay Rays. And for the Houston Astros, they've been rallying behind Carlos Correa. And it wouldn't surprise me to see him put up another strong game in this one. And for prediction time now, I think in game one, I'll go with the Astros. I, I don't know necessarily if I've got a concrete reason besides the fact that they've been hot. And I like Valdez versus Snell probably the most out of any pitching matchup that we'll see early on in the series. I think if it's Morton McCullers, I lean Morton. And game one, Houston, they've been rolling. I think I have them in game one, but overall, seven games with no off days, you're going to need depth and Tampa Bay should take this series handily. I don't know if handily is the word that I would use. It wouldn't surprise me to see the series go maybe six or seven games. Um, but the depth, I do think, will end up being a question. In game one, though, we'd mentioned that Framber Valdez has never faced the Tampa Bay Rays. And that goes one of two ways. Either you know how to beat the guys or you don't. And Framber Valdez has some really strong stuff. And with the way that the Tampa Bay bats have been struggling, if they haven't had a period to adjust, if they haven't really reset themselves mentally and fixed their approach at the plate, I think I go Houston in this one as well. But, you know, there's very little to separate these two teams. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the series unfolds. I'll stick by my handily prediction. I think this series is done in five games. Maybe Houston takes the first game. And after that, I think it's all Tampa Bay. The longer this series goes, the more I like the Rays. I'll take them in five. Do you want to throw a game number out there? You think this one ends in? I think I take Tampa Bay in six games. And again, it's the question of the depth. On paper, the Houston bullpen isn't really where it needs to be when compared to the depth that Tampa Bay has. Tampa has just a plethora of options when they want to turn to someone new on the mound. And I think that'll be the difference maker. Well, that's it for our show today. You can catch Game 1 tonight, as I said, at 7.37 p.m. Eastern. We'll be back here tomorrow to recap the game, give you the updates, and preview the Braves, Dodgers, and LCS. You can find the show on Twitter, at Trip Morning, and on Instagram, at Morning Round Trip. And we'll be right back here tomorrow with episode number 95. For Drew Frank and Liam Crothers, thank you for listening, and have a great day.